Few cities in the world can claim to have as long and important a place in history as London. The city has long had a role in world affairs, be they economic, political, cultural, military, or legal, and continues to be one of the most influential capitals in the world. While sporadic settlements going back to prehistory have been discovered along the River Thames, the beginnings of the modern city can be traced back to the Roman invasion in 47 AD, who eventually named the settlement Londinium. Given such a long history, it is understandable that those who believe or study the paranormal can find a wealth of cases from within the sprawling metropolis and urban extremities. Here we look at just a few of the notable cases of the ghosts of London. Reports of ghost sightings go back as long as humans have spoken word, and examples of what would be considered sightings can be found across all forms of ancient text. Often these were seen as omens, or even angels depending on the religious denomination of the witness, but spirits were not confined to human appearance, and indeed there seemed to be just as many animal ghosts haunting the living as there did human ones. In the 17th century, the legend of phantom black dogs became widespread in the countryside, but were not limited to the rural communities. Reports from the late 16th century and early 17th century tells of a black dog that terrorised inmates at Highgate Prison, adjacent to the Old Bailey Court in central London, the highest court in England. The story goes that in 1596, a scholar was accused of being a warlock, or male witch, who was guilty of using his magic to curse the people of London who were experiencing a food shortage. The inmates of Highgate Prison suffered especially, since little food made it to them, leading many to turn to cannibalism, feeding on the weaker inmates who could not defend themselves, and this included the unfortunate scholar. According to the story, over the coming days, those who had participated in the grisly murder and feasted on the scholar's flesh found themselves being stalked by a spectral black dog, which they took to be the scholar's spirit, taking revenge upon his killers. It is unlikely the story is wholly true, and may have been confused with other events or exaggerated by prisoners retelling the story after their release. It has also been suspected that the legend is inspired by or actually related to a mysterious haunting reported for many years later in nearby Eamon Court, where a shapeless black form has been reported creeping alongside a high wall. But it was believed enough by the population to fear the ghostly creature should they find themselves incarcerated at the prison. One of the more bizarre stories of hauntings in London comes from 1626. In April of that year, London experienced a particularly cold season, and during a coach ride in Highgate, Sir Francis Bacon was discussing alternative methods of food preservation with a friend, when the cold environment inspired him to consider keeping meat at lower temperatures to stop it from going bad. His friend scoffed at the idea, but believing there was something in it, Bacon travelled to a nearby farm where he purchased a chicken. He then proceeded to slaughter the bird, plucking it and packing it in a bag of snow, thus effectively producing the world's first frozen chicken. 
Sadly for Bacon, he would not live to see the result of his experiment, for on April 9th he passed away from pneumonia, after spending many hours in the freezing cold. At this point, you may be expecting to hear tales of Sir Francis's ghost, probably trying to continue his experiment. However, this case actually concerns the ghost of the chicken. In the period afterwards, people walking through the area began spotting a semi-plucked chicken running around a pond near where Sir Francis had thought of the idea to freeze the creature. When bemused bystanders attempted to approach the chicken, it would then disappear into thin air, and this was not a phenomenon limited to the time. Sightings of the spectral chicken have persisted through the centuries, with one being made as recently as 1970. Another curious animal haunting from this era includes the tale of a legless ghost cat, which haunts the home of Mr. Edward Pitts of Puddle Dog. The phantom feline was seen repeatedly in the family home, and was said to be abnormally large. Pitts saying it was the size of a mastiff hound, but curiously, its legs were rendered invisible. Sightings of the cat coincided with traditional poltergeist activity, involving items moving around the home, and doors opening and closing by themselves. More human sightings in London from this period include a case from 1647, when the friend of one of Mr. Mohan reported seeing him enter her home through a door she was certain was locked, and then leave again without saying a word. Perplexed, she later discovered that Mr. Mohan had in fact been killed that day, having been attacked on his way to a duel. Another reported haunting occurred at the historic meat market in Smithsfields, which seemingly suffered a spat of ghost sightings in the early 1600s, involving a spectre who would appear to dance over the produce. From 1837 through the remainder of the century, Great Britain was ruled by Queen Victoria, who lends her name to this period. During her reign, London would see great changes technologically, geographically, socially, politically, scientifically, and it would seem spiritually. The Victorian era was arguably the golden age of spiritualism and seances, and tarot readings were all the rage amongst London's high society. And with money to be made, this inevitably led to the emergence of a number of charlatans, as well as fake mediums who claimed to be able to communicate with dead relatives, but who had actually simply researched the patron's family history, a crime punishable with imprisonment, if discovered. Victorian London was plagued by hoaxes. Ghost hoaxing was a popular pastime, particularly amongst the youth of the day, if only for the sole purpose of creating mischief or others even used it to commit robbery or even sexual assaults. These pranksters would often dress up in sheets or cover themselves in bright garments and paint, and leap upon unsuspecting members of the public, who might be out enjoying an otherwise pleasant walk in the park. Some of the more creative pranksters incorporated candles or gaslights to improve their spectral appearance. These ghost hoaxers are often accused of being responsible for one of the more mysterious cases in the Victorian period, namely that of Spring-Heeled Jack. Between 1837 and 1904, stories of encounters with Spring-Heeled Jack 
terrorised the working class suburban areas of London and later several other British cities. Described by witnesses as being frightful in appearance, with clawed hands and eyes that resembled red balls of fire, he was often draped in a black cloak and was sometimes seen wearing a helmet of sorts. However, his two most distinguished features were said to be his ability to leap to great heights, hence his popular name of Spring-Heeled Jack, and he was often able to breathe blue flames. Spring-Heeled Jack spread fear amongst the local population, which the authorities seemed unable to do anything about. Searches were organised, but produced nothing, and when he was reportedly cornered by police, he would often escape by leaping over high walls, which stopped their pursuers dead in their tracks. On at least one occasion, Spring-Heeled Jack was shot several times by a pursuer, but each of the bullets simply bounced off Jack's body. Spring-Heeled Jack was soon elevated to the status of a celebrity thanks to sensationalist reports in newspapers covering sightings of him, and many theories began flying around as to who or what he was. One of the most prominent theories was that Jack was in fact a member of the aristocracy, who took pleasure in accosting young women since these were his main game. On more than one occasion, he was reported speaking fine English to lure an unsuspecting victim out of their homes, such as in the case of Jane Alsop, who experienced Jack in 1838 when he called to her home claiming to be a police officer so she would open the door. If Jack was the creation of a rich aristocrat, however, then how can we explain his extraordinary traits of being able to breathe blue flame, brush off bullets as though they were nothing, and seemingly defy gravity with his extraordinary leaping ability? Also given the extraordinary long period of time sightings of Jack were reported, there surely must have been more than one prankster responsible, since the person first witnessed in 1837 would be at least in their 80s by the time the sightings ended. Some of Jack's findings can be attributed to public hysteria and imagination, but even if this was the case, it only serves to show just how powerful the belief in the supernatural was throughout the Victorian era. For to most of his witnesses, he was no mortal being, but a ghost or demon of some kind. In fact, while scientific knowledge increased our understanding of the physical world, there was actually resistance to such discoveries when they threatened to debunk the possibility of the paranormal existing. Scientists tried to attribute environmental, medical, and of course criminal factors to explain the ghost phenomena, believing that no experience could not be explained away, somehow with a rational cause. Eventually, the Society for Psychic Research was formed in 1882, which remains the oldest organisation with the purpose of investigating psychic and paranormal phenomena. But while British society embraced the march towards scientific advancement in almost every aspect of life, it remained resistant to allowing it to diminish the belief in the paranormal for many people. This led to two camps forming, one which embraced the paranormal and the other which sought to debunk it scientifically, a debate that continues to this very day. Ghost sightings continue to run rampant in some cases, but unlike in the past, few of them were now simply accepted as being true, without rational explanations being affixed to them, leaving many, even witnesses themselves, not sure what to believe anymore. 
one of the most celebrated and controversial ghost stories of the Victorian era, and one that typifies the debate, comes from an event that occurred on the night of June 22, 1893. That night, Lady Tyron was entertaining several guests, all of whom were from the upper echelons of London society. During the evening, several guests were shocked by the surprise visit of Lady Tyron's husband, Sir George Tyron, who was, at the time, a serving admiral in the Royal Navy, and was supposed to be aboard his ship, HMS Victoria, in the Mediterranean. After being asked by her guest why her husband had returned home, Lady Tyron was as surprised as they were, and proceeded to search the house for him, but he was nowhere to be found. Dismissing the whole thing as a case of mistaken identity on the part of her guests, she continued hosting the party until her guests left before retiring to bed. The next morning she awoke to heartbreaking news. Her husband's ship had been sunk in a tragic accident off the coast of Tripoli, almost exactly the same time as when he was sighted by some of her guests. Had the Admiral's ghost returned home to wish his wife goodbye? The story has been retold many times, and some investigators claim that it's either fabricated, or this simply was a case of mistaken identity that took place at the party. But if this was the case, it does seem a big coincidence that this happened at the exact time the Admiral's ship was sinking. It's difficult to talk about Victorian London without mentioning Jack the Ripper. This legendary serial killer, or killers if some theories are to be believed, accounted for five confirmed murders of women between August 31st and November 9th, 1888, but it has long been suspected there were more. Regardless, some of his victims are said to haunt the city where they were slain, with the Ripper's second victim, Annie Chapman, reported to haunt the site of the former Truman Brewery in Hanbury Street. His third victim, Catherine Eddowes, is said to repeatedly relive the night she was murdered in Mitre Square, while his final confirmed victim, Mary Kelly, is said to haunt the Ten Bells pub, where she frequented, including on the night she was murdered. However, of all the reported cases of ghosts and hauntings to emerge from this period of London's history, none are more terrifying than the nameless horror of 50 Berkeley Square. It is a story that perhaps surpasses even the tales of Spring-Heeled Jack, and involved numerous witnesses from across London society, and is one of the few hauntings that resulted in the death of someone present, not once, but three times. The house itself was constructed in the late 18th century, and was intended for the middle to upper classes to reside in the wealthy Mayfair area. Almost immediately, the property seemed to develop an aura of unpleasantness, as though even on a clear day, it would be the one place to have a cloud looming over it. Neighbours enjoyed winding away the evening, with guests telling various stories of questionable authenticity about the property, including that of a woman who committed suicide there to escape an abusive uncle, and the attic being home to a mad relative of one of the numerous owners that seemed to frequently come and go from the property. However, it was when Tory Prime Minister George Canning took up residence there as he came to office that the house's reputation for being haunted began to spread beyond Berkeley Square. Canning complained to friends and family that the house seemed unsettled, being plagued by strange noises coming from the upper floors. Canning was ill even before moving in, 
and his time in office was short as he would die on August 8th, 1827, after spending just 119 days as Prime Minister. While his misfortune in office is not directly attributed to the House, his tragic premiership did further the reputation of the House, which spent much of the following decades largely vacant, with few people remaining for any significant length of time, but the stories of paranormal activity persisted. 20-year-old Sir Robert Warboys heard of the alleged haunting and scoffled at the very idea of a curse or ghosts, and was thus dared by friends to spend the night alone on the upper floor, where much of the activity was reported, which Sir Roberts accepted. The reluctant landlord at the time would only agree to the proposal on two conditions. First, that Sir Robert would take with him a loaded pistol and secondly, that he would use the bell that summoned the servants if he required any assistance. Later that evening, shortly after midnight, the servant's bell rang gently. After a pause, the bell started furiously ringing. As the landlord rushed to Sir Robert's room, a shot rang out, and upon entering inside, he discovered the nobleman cowering in a corner, his eyes bulging from their sockets in terror. He was totally unable to speak and died shortly afterwards from the horror of what he had witnessed. The next significant owner was a man named Thomas Myers, who moved in in 1859. Reportedly, Myers was infatuated with a woman who rejected his marriage proposal, leading him to live alone in the house, where he slowly went mad. Neighbors reported seeing the sad man walking from room to room at night with a solitary candle in his hand until November 1874 when he passed away. However, before his death, in 1872, it is said that Tory politician Lord Lyttelton accepted a wager to stay a night in the building's attic. Like Sir Robert, Lyttelton armed himself by bringing a shotgun into the room and during the night, those downstairs heard him discharge the weapon. He claimed someone or something had entered the room and that he had hit his target. However, once the room was illuminated, there was nothing to be found, except his spent gun cartridges. When asked to describe what he saw, he said that it looked like a brown mass of tendrils in the shadows. In the late 1870s, the legend of the cursed property was further reinforced by coverage in newspapers and books, which added newly reported encounters, such as a maid on the upper floor being heard screaming, when the other residents reached her, they each described her face being the picture of abject terror. Beyond reason, she had to be taken to a sanatorium where she died less than a day later. The sensationalizing of the curse amongst locals can probably account for a number of the stories to emerge surrounding the house, but it is more difficult to dismiss the case of two visiting sailors who broke into the house while it was empty on Christmas Eve, 1887, Looking for shelter, the two men, Edward Blunden and Robert Martin, chose one of the upper rooms to bed down until the morning, but during the night, they were awoken by disembodied footsteps. When Blunden moved to investigate their cause, he came across an amphibious, pulsating mass of grey blocking his way, which according to Martin's story, had leapt to attack his friend. Upon seeing Blunden thrown to the ground with the shapeless being attached to his throat, the terrified Martin ran out of the building looking for help 
and eventually found a police officer. Unconcerned with any legal repercussions of having broken into the property, he told the police officer what happened and the two returned to help London. In the report of what happened next, the exact facts appear to have become lost with the police officer and Martin either finding Blunden mauled and dismembered in the basement or dead on the street, having seemingly jumped from the window to escape the mysterious assailant. Regardless of which version is true, if any, they all agree that Blunden was found with a face contorted with terror. Stories of paranormal activity continue to surround the property well into the 20th century although nothing as dramatic as another death has ever been reported. The building became a bookstore in the 1930s and the ghost stories petered out almost completely. But nevertheless, the reputation remains. Many investigators have put their own theories forward as to what might explain the strange case of 50 Berkeley Square, ranging from stories being exaggerated deliberately or unintentionally up to a demon or even the devil himself residing there but of course, it's hard to prove any of them. The most popular theory is that the building developed such a reputation that those like Sir Robert and Littleton, who dared challenged it, lost their nerve and their minds played tricks on them. In a sense, their encounters becoming a self-fulfilled prophecy that something did exist there and it was hostile. Regardless of whatever the truth may be, the building still attracts tourists interested in its chilling story which has earned itself a firm place in the paranormal history of London.